So, maybe you're thinking about making some big changes or setting some ambitious goals for yourself. Maybe you want to lose 20 pounds or read through the Bible. Maybe you want to run a marathon or repair a broken relationship. Whatever your big goal is, the temptation is to expect to go straight from here to here or from here to here. The reality is there are a lot of small steps between big decisions and big results. Challenges and obstacles will wait. At some point, you might even want to quit. But stand firm. Don't be disappointed with slow progress. Don't be overwhelmed by the destination. Rather, focus on what you can do today. Skip dessert. Read a chapter. Go for a run. Make a phone call. The more difficult the journey, the more rewarding the destination. And it can all start today with just one small step. Happy Sabbath, everyone. Uh, good to see all of you guys. Um, this week, uh, I was looking through social media, and I found this, and maybe some of you guys have participated or have seen this uh, as well. Can you lower the mic more? All right. Uh, how many of you guys, uh, have you, have you guys uh, participated or seen this 10-year challenge? Any of you guys? Can you turn on the light all the way as well? Turn off the light. Okay, so um, I don't know how many of you guys have participated or seen it, uh, but I've seen it around a lot of uh, social media. So uh, I decided to show you guys uh, what I looked like 10 years ago. <laughs> you guys might be shocked. Okay, so this was me 10 years ago. Okay. I was actually going to, I actually have uh, pictures of some of you guys 10 years ago, but I don't want to embarrass you guys, so I just brought my picture. But uh, I saw some funny ones as well, so uh, I brought it up. Uh, so 2009, family playing together, 2019, everybody on their phone. Uh, this is another one, 2009, <laughs> no money, 2019, still no money. Is there one more? Oh, okay, there's no one more. Okay. You guys, by the way, do you guys know who this is? Yeah, this is our, the newest member of our church family, Camden's sister. Right? Camden's sister, how many know? Okay, her name is Bailey. So, uh, what's the reason why we like uh, these kind of things? Why did it go viral? Uh, one of the reasons is because we can look back and say, hey, look at the changes that happened in my life. Okay? So I look at my picture and I go, wow, I used to be much fatter. <laughs> or I, I look back and I go, oh my goodness, why did I do my hairstyle like this? Or why did I eat this? Or why did I wear this? So it's a good reminder that you used to be really bad in the past, and now you have improved. So we feel really good about ourselves. So that's one of the reasons why uh, I think this 10-year challenge has uh, kind of gone viral. And another hand, though, on the other hand, you look at your picture 10 years ago, and you might actually be the opposite. And you might actually say, oh man, I actually used to be skinnier back then. <laughs> or man, I used to be so much more brave back then. I used to be so much more courageous. 
and had so much more energy. But now I have kids. Ten-year challenge. Something I thought of after I was looking at a few of these pictures, I was thinking, okay, if I had a 10-year cha challenge picture of my spiritual life 10 years ago, and I look at my life today, what kind of changes would I see? Would I see changes where I go, man, I, I, was, I didn't have much faith, I was a baby, but now, I grew so much. I'm closer to God. Maybe some of you guys, you look at 10 years ago and you go, man, I had so much more faith back then. I actually had a devotional life. I was actually praying. I, was, I felt so close to God. But now I feel far away. So no matter where you are at, okay, we have started a series together. Peter has mentioned it. You have seen the bumper video. We're starting this series called One Small Step. We have started about two weeks ago. And this whole idea of this sermon series is wherever you are at in your spiritual walk, where you have digressed or you are improving, or maybe some of you guys, you feel stuck in your faith, we say, hey, it's okay where you are at. But let's take one step forward. Whatever it is, wherever you are at, because when you look back, 10 years from now, 2029, I want you guys, including myself, to look back and say, hey, this is where I was, and I have gotten somewhere. Today, we will be going over Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, thank you, Jean, for reading it in French for us. That was really awesome, huh? Ephesians chapter 6 is talking about one of those dimensions that we don't really actually focus on when we're talking about spiritual walks. So today, in Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to go over three different things. We're going to go over who we are fighting against, what we are fighting against, and how we can fight. Let's look at the first one. Who? It tells us, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So we are fighting against the devil. He actually extrapolates a little bit more, uh, or um, explains a little further. He actually says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, against the spiritual forces of evil. So it's telling us, that our spiritual walk, there's another dimension that we have to think about. A lot of times when we're talking about our spiritual walk, or our spirituality in general, we actually don't think about this other world. But Paul tells us, we must understand this. If we don't, then we're not going to be taking steps forward in our spiritual walk. We're not going to be growing. Now, some of you guys, when you hear these words like cosmic power, supernatural forces, spiritual forces, uh, some of you guys might get very, very uncomfortable with this concept of devil or Satan. The reason why is because most of us, we grew up in this Western civilization. 
uh, where we're not very comfortable with this kind of mindset. Uh, the reason is because for us, Western civilization, they say, hey, we, there's naturalistic explanation for everything that happens in this world. So for some reason, uh, for, for example, if there's war, if there's violence, if there's depression, if you see bad things happening within yourself or this world, there's a psychological reason why. Or there's a sociological reason why these things are happening to you. So when you see bad things happening in your life, or in the world, you don't just say, oh, the devil did it. Or the angels and demons are fighting with each other. And that, uh, we don't, Western people, we don't like that concept. We go, no, 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 no. There's a psychological reason. There's a naturalistic reason for all of these things. But the problem with this is that it's starting to wear thin. It's just naturalistic, simplistic ideas are actually wearing thin. Then, what do I mean by that? Uh, Andrew, uh, this, this person right here, uh, on, the, on your left, right, uh, that's uh, President Obama. And the person who's shaking his head, his name is Andrew de, Blan de Blanco. Okay? He's a, you know, one of those intellectual people. Uh, he's at Columbia University, and he wrote a book called Death of Satan. And this is what he says. Uh, and by the way, he's going to sound kind of religious, but he's actually, he says it very clear uh, from the beginning of the book. He says, I am not a religious person. I am a skeptic liberal. But this is what he says. He says, a gulf has opened up in our culture between the visibility of evil and the intellectual resources available for coping with it. A repertoire of evil has never been richer. Yet, never have our responses been so weak. What is he saying? He's basically saying this. He's saying, we have come to a point in our life, in our culture, in our society, where we say, Oh, supernatural stuff? No, 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 no. We can find naturalistic explanation for everything. So instead of using even the word evil, because, you know, it, it, it means, you know, the word evil means there's some moral value to it, moral objectivity, but we say, no, 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 no. Everything is subjective. There is no good and evil. What are you talking about? So we, even when we see people now, we don't actually say, oh, this is an evil person. That's highly, highly offensive to us. Uh, but we use, we use medical terminology, like uh, you have disorder, right? You have uh, some kind of um, uh, social problems uh, that you just need to see a psychologist for. And so what, what he's saying is, the problem is there's so much evil that just psychology alone, just sociology alone, it's not explaining everything. There's a gulf between our explanation and reality. It's not enough. De Blanco, uh, he quotes from a book, and some of you guys might have read the book or watched the movie, Silence of the Lamb. Have you guys, any of you guys? Some older people, you guys have probably watched it. Um, this person, his name is Officer Starling, Starling, Sterling, Sterling, uh-huh. Uh, by the way, I, I've never watched the movie because it's too scary. I don't want scary movies. <laughs> but he meets the serial killer, Hannibal Lecter. She. 
And she is talking, she interacts with him. And afterwards, she turns to another person and she says, how is this possible? How is it that this man is so twisted and so evil? And this is a very, very famous, and Hannibal, he actually overhears her. And this is what he says, and this is a very famous line from the movie. Maybe some of you guys who watch this, maybe uh, you hear, what's his name? Anthony, what is it? Anthony Hopkins' voice. This is what he says. He says, Officer Sterling, nothing happened to you. I happened. You can't reduce me to a set of influences. You have given up good and evil for, for behaviorism, Officer Sterling. You got everybody in moral dignity pants. Nothing is anyone's. Look at me, Officer Sterling. Can you stand to say I'm evil? De Blanco, the author of this book, he basically says, our culture, because everything has to be naturalistic, when we stand in front of this moral monster, we have no answers. We cannot dare to stand and say, yes, you are an evil person. It's wearing out thin. Psychological reasons. We used to say this. We used to say, the reason why there's serial killer, the reason why there's wars, destruction, crimes, the reason why these things are happening, it's pretty simple. People are ignorant. They need more education. But what's the problem? The problem is World War II happened. It happened in starting from Germany, the most educated country back then. Some of these leaders, PhDs, master's degrees, they're very, very highly educated people. Karl Marx came. He says, no, 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 it's not an educational problem. It's a sociological problem. It's our economy. It's how we set up everything. You see, capitalists, the rich people, they have all the power. We need to give the power to the poor, the proletariats. And let's see how they do. You see, if we give power to the poor, then there won't be any crime and cruelty and uh, uh, all these bad things happening. But what happened? We gave power to the poor, and they were just as oppressive and just as cruel. So again, the Blanco, his whole argument is, we have tried to get rid of this idea of evil, but it's not working. Sociology is not working. Psychological reasons, it's not enough. It's wearing out thin. Now, the Bible doesn't have, by the way, this is Karl Marx, but, but the Bible doesn't have this problem. Okay? Because the Bible tells us very, very clearly the reason why you see evil in this world is, is because two sets of creatures, angels and humans, with free will 
they have decided to defect and betray God and brought evil into this world. And there is a cosmic war between God and Satan and evil within us. Now, that doesn't mean yes, and this is, this is very, very important because you don't want to go one extreme to the other. We're not saying that like, there's no psychological reasons why people behave the way they do. Absolutely. It doesn't mean that uh, the way our societies build up, it doesn't affect, it absolutely does. But these things, sociological or psychological reasons, only aggravate or accentuate or shape the evil within us or brings out the evil within us. But our real big problem with us, the Bible tells us, is that there is evil within us. It's not psychological reasons or it's not sociological reasons that creates evil, but it only aggravates it. So who do we fight against? The Bible says it's just not our own battle. It's not against society. It's not against psychology. But there is a battle for our souls, for our hearts, in the spiritual realm. And so we need to be careful of who we're dealing with. So that's what he says. He says, who are we dealing with? We're dealing with spiritual forces, the Bible says. He continues on. What are we fighting against? He says, the schemes of the devil. Now, the word schemes, and actually, you guys might be familiar with this word. Uh, the word schemes in Greek is actually methodia. Now, what does that sound like? The word method, yes, okay? So, one of the things that Paul talks about is, listen, Satan is not stupid. He has schemes, he has strategies, he has different kind of methods to try to get at you. And today, we're gonna see what kind of methods Satan attacks us with. First one, devil. Do you guys know uh, the Greek word actually for devil? There's actually two words, but the word he uses here, it's actually the one that you guys are familiar with, which is diablos, okay? Uh, so actually, uh, he uses the word diablos in actually a verb form. So what actually the word devil actually means is to lie or to slander, okay, slander. So it means, what we have to understand is, what we normally think of someone who's demon-possessed or influenced by the devil is like someone like whose head is like turning 180 and like vomiting and like turning green. Uh, that's how we normally think of demon possession. But what we have to actually understand is what devil does so well is he puts lies into our hearts. So one author actually says this. He says, when Satan tempts us, tempts us he doesn't leave thing marks, but he leaves lies in our hearts. So let's go together and see what are the two different types of lies that Satan attacks us with. Uh, I'm gonna give you two different categories. The first one, I'll call it temptations. And the second core category, I'll call it accusations. All of us uh, were probably uh, tempted, either temptation or accusation. Uh, this is how Satan is attacking us. 
Now, let's start. I'll give you explanation of both of these first, and I'll give you examples of these as well. The first one, temptations. What it does is, Satan gets you to have a high view of yourself. So that you do things that you shouldn't. So it inflates you. And deflates God. So some of the things that Satan does is he hides God's holiness, holiness, God's righteousness, and he upplays God's love. So I'll give you some examples a little bit later. Accusations is the opposite. It gets you to have a low view of yourself. It deflates your ego. Satan hides God's love from you. And he plays up God's holiness and his righteousness. Both of these, it's going to be destructive for your spiritual walk. Let me give you guys some examples, because both of these are lies. And maybe some of you guys can resonate with some of this. Uh, by the way, this comes from uh, the book uh, written a long time ago, Thomas Brooke, uh, Precious Remedies Against Satan's Device. He wrote about like 50 of them. I select a couple of them. Temptations. Again, temptations, high view of yourself, low view of God. Well, both of these, low view of God. Uh, they just Satan just hides some aspects of God. The first one, bait and hides the hook. So he shows you the bait and hides the hook. What does this mean? This means Satan shows you the short-term pleasures. He goes, if you do this, you're going to feel really, really good. You're really stressed. This is going to make you feel better. And it hides the long-term consequence of what's going to happen to you. Second one, uh, what he does is he tries to have you rationalize, rationalize sin as a virtue. So for example, example will be, I'm not greedy. I'm just thrifty. Or you say things like, I'm actually not really nosy. I'm just concerned for people. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just social. Another example of these temptations of how uh, he inflates your ego and hides God is he shows you the sins of other Christians, especially Christian leaders, elders, deacons. What he does is he makes you think all of these people are messed up. So if they did it, then I can do it too. It lowers your standard. Another example of temptation, uh, it overstresses the mercy of God. Overstress. Now, again, mercy of God, very, very important concept, but it overstresses. So you do think you say things like, Well, God's gonna forgive me anyways. So I'll just do it. I mean, I could just repent, right? I mean that's his job, no? Second one, um, it makes Satan makes them makes people better over suffering. So, for example, you say things like this: you say, "I suffer, so I, I deserve this. Look at the things I've I've done. 
Look at how much I'm doing for the family. I, des I, I, I deserve to be pampered. I deserve some love. I'm not getting it from my family. The author actually talks about how uh, this is why people cheat. They say, look at the things I'm doing for my family members, and they're not giving me love. Two more examples. Uh, temptation. Seeing bad people having great lives. So you, say, you look at that and you go, Man, I, I mean, they don't believe in God. They're doing wonderful. My life, I, I believe in God and it, it sucks. So, uh, you know, my dad's will do it. Uh, playing by the rules, it, it's not paying off. Last example. Uh, compare one part of your life to another. So this, is, this example is, I'm doing really well in this aspect of my life, so I deserve to do bad in this aspect of life. Uh, this is an extreme case, and one of the pastors I was listening to, he uses this case, this is a very extreme case, but look at like mafias, right? Like, like serial killers, they're like, I love my mom, but I kill people. Those are the temptations that Satan speaks to us, those lies. Now, maybe some of you guys could resonate with these. There's another section, there's another category, which is what we call accusations. Again, this is giving you a low view of God. So what you do, Satan says, look at yourself only. Don't look, don't look at the Savior. He says, take one look at your sin. No, actually, it's, all, it's, it's the opposite. It's, I have so much sin, and I just only look at God once. Where actually, it needs to be the opposite. Where if we have one sin, we need to look at God five times. But it says, no, continue to look at yourself. And we talked about that in sermon number one. Number two, accusation. Look at your past wrongs. And look at all the things that you have done. Do you deserve the love of God? No, absolutely not. So it makes you, Satan makes you focus on your past wants. Another example, another lie is, I did something wrong. This is a punishment from God. This is why these bad things are happening to me. The last one, making emotions out to be the bad thing. So these, you know, things like, it's like very like stoic Christian Christianity where you go, oh, if I'm feeling anger, if I'm feeling a depression, that I'm a bad Christian, I'm a bad person. I shouldn't feel this way. If I'm a real Christian, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't feel this. These other examples of either how the devil, he inflates your ego or deflates your ego. He uplifts one aspect of God, which is, could be wrath, and he plays down the other. Or, on the other hand, he inflates the love of God and deflates the judgment of God. 
And both of these, Satan says, excellent. When you continue to hear these lies, when you get down on yourself or you get overinflated with yourself, you start trivializing sin, Satan says, excellent. Continue to come to church. Continue to read your Bibles. Continue to pray. No problem. As long as you have a faulty view, as long as I can leave life. Once you start recognizing the voices that's going in your mind, the lies that you have in your heart, then it makes sense. So, oh, these are the things that Satan is saying. So this is what we're fighting. This is who we're fighting, the devil. And this is what he is doing to us. Now, how do we fight? It tells us, put on the whole armor of God. It actually tells us in verse 10, stand firm, be strong. How? Put on the whole armor of God. And maybe some of you guys who read this, he goes on, talks about the belt, helmet, shield, all these different things. And uh, in two weeks, we'll talk about it. Today we're talking more about the defensive side, how do we defend ourselves against Satan. But next, uh, in two weeks we're going to talk about how do we actually use the weapons that we do have. So, what is this whole armor of God? Very simple. It's the gospel. What do you mean, Pastor? Is this. Satan, as we talked about, he either gives you temptation or accusation. Okay? So basically, it's an overblown sense of God's holiness and minimizes okay, God, God's love. We talked about this. So what happens? You start hating yourself. You start thinking, I'm never good enough. God will never love me. God will never forgive me. Look at the stuff I did. Look at the stuff I'm continuing to do. What happens, in, or in another sense, he overblown the sense of God's love and minimizes the sense of God's holiness, then you start thinking, cool, God loves me, I'll do whatever the heck I want. And again, both of these, it's not going to work. It's, you're not going to go forward in your spiritual walk. If anything, this is what's going to drain you, this is what's going to stop you from growing. But the gospel, why is this important? Because the gospel tells us that you're absolutely correct when you say that you're not good enough. You're absolutely correct that the things that you have done, you cannot atone for. The current situation that you are in is a desperate one. So if some of you guys feel that way, the gospel says you are absolutely correct. And yet, the Bible also affirms this is why you need Jesus. This is why he's coming down to die for you. Because you're not good enough. Because you can't do it. So this is great news for you guys who are under the lies of Satan's accusations. Not feeling like you're, never, you're ever good enough. This is great news. Why? Because you can't do it. You're exactly right on that. But stop. Stay with yourself, but look to God. 
He's saying, this is how much I love you. This is how much I'm willing to do for you. On the other hand, he looks at the people who have an overinflated self, the temptations, and say, I can do whatever I want. God, God, God doesn't really care about this. He's not offended when I sin. You look at the cross, and Jesus says, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. You cannot look at the cross and just continue to sin. Why? Because you're, someone is saying, I'm dying for you. How can you trivialize? How can you make sin small? So it is only through the cross of Jesus that we actually are able to defeat and get rid of lies in our hearts. Let me just end with this thought. It is very, very important that we don't just take, try to take out the lies of Satan. Because, for example, as I'm studying this, I realized, oh wow, these are the things that Satan is saying to me. So I try to tell myself, okay, stop thinking that, stop thinking that. I'm not gonna think that, I'm not gonna go into his trick anymore. And then I realize he stopped, he stops using those uh, uh, methods, but I, I see that there's actually three more in there, that he, there's another string. What I'm trying to say is, it's easy for us to think, okay, I'll just get rid of the lies. What we really need to do is not only just get rid of the lies, but we need to listen to the truth. We need to hear God's voice. And again, this is why your mom and dad, if you guys are kids now, or parents, what your parents told you is read your Bible, pray. Why? Because it's not just for the sake of reading the Bible or praying, but because you need to hear truth spoken into your heart you are listening to lies of Satan. He's continuing to speak to you. And as long as he continues to speak to you, you're never going to walk. You're never going to stand up. You're always going to be in that loop, that vicious cycle where you go up and down, up and down in your spiritual walk, and you will not go anywhere. But what you need to do is to hear God's voice. What you need to do is look at Jesus on the cross. And hear him say to you, this is how bad you are. This is how horrible your sin is. And yet, this is how much I love you. This is how much you're actually worth, worthy. As we go into time of reflection, may you hear 